0: In this week's episode, let's discuss why I almost paid $700 for a Beanie Baby back in 1998. Last week I discussed social proof how people are persuaded by the crowd. If everyone else is doing something, you'll probably do it too. How else do you explain cargo shorts, low-rise jeans, and mullets? This week, I want to discuss how people are motivated by fear of missing out. Let's hop in a time machine and travel back to the 80s. The year is 1983. I'm six years old. America is about to be hit by a cultural phenomenon known as Cabbage Patch Kids. The ugly little dolls that I suppose were born in a Cabbage Patch for some reason became wildly popular. Every little girl wanted one, but the manufacturer underestimated their appeal so stores sold out long before Christmas. Whenever new shipments arrived, mobs of mothers raced through toy stores, pushing and shoving other shoppers, desperate to get their hands on a doll. If you weren't alive to witness it firsthand, go back and watch videos on YouTube. The shopping sprees were all out war. Parents experienced deja vu 13 years later in 1996. For some reason, again, there's no real explanation here, Tickle Me Elmo became the hottest item on toy shelves. I vaguely remember Cabbage Patch Kids, but I was 19 years old in 1996. I had a girlfriend, and she wanted a Tickle Me Elmo. Those cheap dolls were more valuable than diamonds back then. You could walk into any jewelry store and buy an expensive necklace, but you couldn't find the $25 Tickle Me Elmo anywhere. They were selling for hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars. The internet was still relatively new back then, so people were selling them in the classified ads of newspapers. Radio stations were giving them away to lucky callers. I wouldn't be surprised if people were being murdered over the dolls. Seriously. Murdered. That's how valuable they were. Ironically, Jingle All The Way came out that same year, a Christmas movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, that uses a toy called Turboman to mock parents who lost their minds over Cabbage Patch Kids. Why were the dolls so popular? Because you couldn't get one. Those kids wanted the one thing they couldn't have. The Beanie Baby craze began around the same time. If you haven't watched the documentary called Beanie Mania on HBO Max, you should. It will blow your mind. For me, the height of the Beanie Baby craze occurred in the summer of 1998 when I nearly spent $700 on a butterfly Beanie Baby. A girl I liked really wanted it. I wanted to show off. I searched everywhere for one. And when I finally found Flitter, I just couldn't talk myself into spending $700 on a $5 stuffed animal. Which was a good choice because the girl I liked had a boyfriend, so that wouldn't have ended very well. Since then, we've seen the same thing happen with gaming systems like PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. Customers line up for hours, often overnight, to get their hands on one. So the obvious question is, why don't manufacturers just make enough to satisfy everyone? Simply meet the demand and earn more money, right? Actually, wrong. If Cabbage Patch Kids were plentiful back in 1983, no one would have wanted one. Tickle Me Elmos aren't status symbols if every kid owns one. Remember, Garbage Pail Kids? Finding those rare cards was like finding a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. Everyone had an atom bomb, but what if you found a rare JDK? Decay? Jackpot! Ever notice how persuaded you are by flash sales? One day only, thirty percent off. If you don't act now, you're going to miss out forever. Have an item in your Amazon wish list? What if you click on it today and there's only one left in stock? Your heart will start racing and you'll have a mini panic attack. What if you don't buy it? What if you'll never get another chance? I'm convinced Amazon uses scarcity to trick us. Only one left in stock. So you buy the last one and looky there, the very next day they're suddenly all stocked up again. Funny how that works. We want what we can't have. I believe this is true in all aspects of life. And for some of us the sensation is overwhelming. You like living downtown, but you dream of a house in a quiet neighborhood. So you pack up and move to the suburbs. But then you can't stop wondering how much fun life would be in a downtown apartment. This same mentality can get us into trouble with our relationships. Ever have a big crush on someone and then once you start dating, you're like, eh, never mind. Or you're taking your partner for granted and once they show interest in someone new, you suddenly want them more than ever. It's important to understand when scarcity scares us into action because it just might be the wrong action. But it's also important to recognize how scarcity affects our decision making in all aspects of life. Does wanting what you can't have make you less appreciative of what you do have? Does scarcity make you restless instead of grateful? Maybe the grass isn't always greener in your neighbor's yard. Sometimes it's filled with weeds. Sometimes it's just a patch of dirt. Sometimes it's astroturf. And sometimes they forgot to clean up after their dog. Okay. That's all for this week. Special thanks to the band Randy for our theme song. Subscribe to Communication Junkie anywhere podcasts are found. Please rate the show while you're there. Positive ratings do help. Follow me on Twitter at FullSteve and at ComJunk. And check out my new illustrated mystery series on Instagram at CraftedBySteve. I'm also posting some haiku poetry and some cocktail ideas on my Instagram feed, so check it out. Please share this episode with friends and family if you found it meaningful. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next week, be good. it's on communication